You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of my podcast, sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020, and receive your discount and some excellent coffee. Before I get started, I couldn't make it to 100 episodes without people listening every week. Your loyalty is the reason we've made it this far. Today, I have Redskins long snapper Nick Sundberg on the show. We chat about a few things. He had some excellent observations a new coach, Ron Rivera, based on his interactions this offseason, whether before the lockdown or during the Zoom sessions. Some really good insight here. Plus, he's the Redskins player rep, so we discuss what the concerns are about this season from an NFLPA rep's perspective. This is not a simple issue, not for them, nor for teams. And we talk about his love of barbecuing. Along with that, I have Chef Mel on to discuss burgers. We're near the 4th of July, so why not, right? He and I share some beliefs in seasoning burgers the right way. And don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. Also, do me a favor, go rate the show. I I believe you can do that on, on Apple, and if you desire, to review it as well. That would be a big help. Before I get to my interview with Nick Sumberg, I wanted to share a few thoughts on Joe Bugle's passing. He was certainly one of the most colorful coaches I've covered because you never knew what he was going to say. In fact, there was one time he mentioned the linemen needing to check their pink panties at the door. I think it was in, refer- in reference to going to either watching film or to who they were playing that week. I kind of forget what the reasoning was, but he used the phrase and it came deep within a conversation. Some reporters, Bram, I think it was you, if I remember right, had turned off their recorders. You learn, because of this, you learn to keep rolling if you needed sound for radio because you never knew what Bugle would say. I remember Bram and I discussing this for a while and who got the Pink Panty Award for maybe turning off the recorder too soon during an interview with Bugle. I do believe Bugle was more effective in his first go-round here than in his second. I think, obviously, the franchise was as well. That's not to say it was bad in 2.0, not at all. I don't think that was the case. But the first group was obviously far more effective, and I think his ability to develop more linemen, I think, was more evident during that go-round. But I think a lot of that stemmed from having a group of guys he could mold and grow and develop together. He got them at a young age, and he helped develop them and took them from there. That, I think, was, was important. The Hogs, you recall, largely came in together under his tutelage. I know there were some linemen in Gibbs 2.0 who weren't always thrilled or wowed by Bugle, not to the level that the first group was. And I think, you know, they think that also perhaps stemmed from where some of them were at in their careers. They did not come in with Bugle, so that sometimes lead to feelings of insecurity. So perhaps it's more about them than it was on Bugle. I don't know. Regardless, I loved covering him, and he was always willing to engage and discuss whatever topics. 
sometimes with a great deal of insight and other times with humor. He even admitted that in Gibbs 1.0, how they would stash guys on IR with, and then kind of go and tell them, well, this is what you're hurt with. Oh, okay. And he would kind of laugh about it. But by then, it was <laughs> the time for penalties were long gone. He was also very open and honest after his daughter, Holly, died in 2008. And that was a tough, very, very, obviously very tough time. Bugle was no pushover by any means, despite his the way he came across as a just a fun-loving guy or just a very fun guy. And especially the Hogs would talk about how he would both push them and nurture them. He would place them in competitive situations against one another during some practice drills. But he'd also be the first to put his arm around them after a rough game. Guys value that. And you can hear it in their voices when they would discuss Bugle and what he meant to them. There's gen, there was genuine love from that Hogs group for Bugle, and it sometimes and it really it summarizes Bugle's influence on them. After he left the Redskins to coach the Phoenix Cardinals, yeah, at that time they were called Phoenix. He once told me he'd be stopped in airports and recognized as the Hogs coach. That was his lasting legacy. He was a strong confidant of Joe Gibbs and would help get his message across to players that perhaps Gibbs had a harder time dealing with, like a John Riggins. But this also sums up Bugle, and it's a story that's been around a while, and I mentioned it on Twitter after his death. So if you've heard this, just you can laugh along again. If you haven't heard it, I think you'll enjoy it. Before the NFC Championship game in January 1983 against Dallas, Bugle, who was not a smoker, was smoking in the locker room. He was nervous about how his young hogs would fare against Dallas's vaunted defensive line. But he was so amped up that after the national anthem, his players could hear him shouting at Dallas defensive line coach Ernie Stautner. Ernie! Hey, Ernie! F you! But he used the other three letters after the F. Classic. The Redskins dominated that day. They even were telling the Cowboys what was coming at times late in the game on the runs, of course, 50 gut. And they rode the Hogs to three Super Bowl titles. Bugle's influence on the Redskins' history was deep. And he deserves a spot in the ring of fame. And now, here's my conversation with Nick Sundberg. Now I'm joined by Redskins long snapper Nick Sundberg. It's been a very weird offseason, and I appreciate you joining me. And just, what's, what's this period been? I know you guys are now off, but what, has this, what was the spring like for you not being able to be out at Redskins Park? Uh, it was different. My wife and I were talking about it, uh, I guess two months ago now, geez, we're almost two months ago. Um, but I've never seen the flowers in front of my house bloom this time of year, you know, in, in May and June. I've, I've just, I haven't been here since 2011. I don't remember back then. Um, but my neighborhood looks so much different, uh, than I, than I you know, have ever seen it. Uh, the, the trees blooming, all that stuff. Uh, it's just been a different experience, something we've kind of just had to adapt to and, you know, get used to um, doing calls like this, you know, <laughs> having Zoom meetings and that sort of thing. It's been weird. And I appreciate you joining me on Zoom, but how tired did you get of Zoom for about through, throughout May and early and into June? Uh, it wasn't that bad, to be honest. The The most difficult thing was, I guess, trying to watch 
a coach troubleshoot and try and learn how to use it. <laughs> but uh, when you're going, to, I don't think it should be that difficult. Um, but you know, with so many different uh, internet speeds and all that sort of thing, um, yes. watching video on it is tough. Um, but I mean, you, it gets the job done. Was that Nate Katzer? Was he having a hard time with it? Nate was having some di some difficulty. Yeah, we I had to me and uh, Tress and Hop had to spend a little bit extra time after our first couple of meetings going through everything with him just to to make sure to smooth it out you know what i mean i do now we had nate on a zoom call and one thing that jumped out with us because i've talked to nate you know over the last year since he's been here but he likes to talk oh yeah he likes to yeah, talk he's, he's chatty he is chatty so like how long are these meetings do they you know I mean, he's a good talker he has interesting stuff to say, but he does like to talk. So how long were your meetings? I guess you really can't go longer, but was it a challenge for him to stay within a confined time? No, he's really, really good at, you know, hey, I've got this much, this amount of time. I'm going to tax everything he can into it. Uh, and, but he's, he's very prompt. Hey, you know, we have, we're 30 seconds early. You guys, you know, get to your next meeting or whatever. So our special teams meetings were only 30 minutes. The, okay. the longer parts were afterwards. Um, me, Tress Hop, him, and, and our assistant, uh, Ben, would stay on the, on the call and just chat, you know, about what's going on in the world and in our lives and that sort of thing. And those would run a little, a little long. I'm sure they did. I, he's, he seems like a good guy. And I mean, are you, you know, how good is it for you guys to have the same guy coming back in this kind of a situation? It's going to be a huge help for us, especially with a lot of the young guys that we had play a lot of special teams last year. Um, they're not learning new techniques, a new system, any of that stuff. So they can kind of take what they learned last year and build on that, um, build on those techniques, all those things, which will just help them be even better special teams players this year. Uh, I think we took a giant leap forward last yeah. year, um, just kind of overall as a unit. I mean, a lot of that had to do with how well, you know, Tress and Hop uh, hit the ball, but um, we had we had a lot of guys covering really well last year and a lot of that was you know due not only in part to Nate and his system and his the way that he teaches, but him putting guys in the right position to be successful. I mean that's half the battle in in itself, you know. It is now you've been here through a couple different or ch coaching changes. Can you feel anything different yet with Ron Rivera? I know because you're not in the building, it may be tougher, but do you sense anything at all, even from being where you're at? Is it or is it too just too hard to say right now? Uh, I mean, it's it's tough to to see you know change over Zoom calls. Right. Um, but I was in the building all the way through um, almost the middle of February, so I I got to be around him quite a bit before I left. Um, and he's just got an awesome presence. Um, right. He he's easy to talk to. He's honest about what he wants from you, which I appreciate. So I think he's going to be real. Uh, I don't want to say a fun coach to play for because that's really kind of a strange way to put it. Um, but I think he's a, so far from what I've seen, he's a great leader. Um, and I'm excited to play for him. Well, when you, and when you say a fun coach, I think I know what you mean. Fans sometimes hear that and think that he's like giving you guys ice cream breaks at halftime or something. So what, and when you say a fun coach to play for, what does that mean to you? I, so it's, it's tough to, to kind of describe, but basically for me, what I want from my coach is uh, just 
upfront truth. Give me the truth up front. Tell me exactly what you want me to do. And if I can do it, good. If I can't, then I, then it's, then it's on me. Right. right. Like, tell me what and how you want me to do something. If I can't do it, then I understand why you have to go in a different direction. But if I, you know, as long as I'm doing my job the way you want me to do it and I, you know, can keep earning to, you know, stay here, that sort of thing. Those are, that's the type of coach that I, that I like. Um, he's, you know, sometimes when you get a coach that's like that, they don't oftentimes have the best personality when you're not talking about football um, or they're difficult to talk to about okay. anything but football. Right. Uh, but, Co but coach Rivera is uh, super easy to talk to. Um, he, you know, come to he'll, he would come down, sit at the table, sit at my table at lunch and just chat, that sort of thing. Really? Um, was really easy to just kind of walk in his door and, and talk to him when he first got in, um, you know, running into him in the hallway. He, he's asking about my family, you know, that sort of stuff. Just re really easy to get along with. And what, what difference does that make for players? Well, you want an approachable coach and you want a coach that you can talk to. Um, and you don't want to always have to feel like it's about football. I mean, we spend, you know, in season 10 hours a day talking about football, right? So, like, right. sometimes you just got to talk about other stuff. Um, you know, I know a lot of times you hear from fans like, well, get in your playbook. All right, well, you know, my playbook isn't very long. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like, you know, sometimes you need a bit of a release from this job that you, you stress over all so, you know, so much of your day is spent stressing about your job. A lot of times it's good to just talk about something other than football. Like, I want to talk right. about food or, or whatever, you know, and, and he's, he's, good at, he's good at that for sure. Well, it is funny because I don't know many people in their own jobs who focus on only their job for 10 or 12 hours a day. But it right. does seem like if you guys have a, if you guys are coming off loss and everybody's like, well, you shouldn't talk about anything else. You shouldn't do anything but worry about this game. And it's like, that's kind of difficult. So I would imagine it's kind of good to have that to at least. Um, but it also seems, I'm guessing it also makes a difference just in terms of like players know, should know where they stand if you have a guy communicating like that. And what difference does that make? I mean, that's huge because, I mean, I don't have to wonder, or, I, you know, I'm assuming just from what I've gathered so far, I won't have to wonder, um, you know, how he feels. And I think that's – some players need to be coached – every player needs to be coached in different ways. What I want is you to tell me what to do, and if you have a specific way you want it done, tell me, and then leave me the hell alone. Let me go right. do my job, right? I, we're professionals. Um, you know, we're here to do a job. Let me go do it. And the coaches that are precise – and you know specific and tell you exactly what they want and let you go do it are the ones that I love so I think that's kind of what he the way that he, the way that's what I've gotten from him so far and can you even again even on zoom calls can you get a feel for do you think the guys are getting a feel for that personality and I know it's not always with him he's kind of in and out with that but are guys getting a feel for that with him and even I also wonder too if like these last couple of weeks with the society unrest and you know some of the conversations you guys have had as a team maybe that show reveals another side to him for players. Yeah, I think so. So when we first started the Zoom calls, we were just doing position meetings and special teams meetings. We hadn't had a – we went a few weeks without actually having a, a team meeting. And we ended up having one team meeting. It was like, gosh, it had to be like six minutes long, which most team meetings are only, you know, five to ten minutes anyways, right. even if we were in the building. He had some things to say um, about the culture, about what we're building, that sort of thing, what he wants from us. Um, and we got off that <laughs> meeting and I got a text from Tress and he's like, Woo, can't wait. I'm like, dude, we're so <laughs> far away. You know, like, it's like oh, I know I just, 
I'm just so excited. I'm like, I know I am too. I'm pumped, you know, but it's, uh, it's stuff like that where you, you know, you hear, hearing from other guys after a six minute talk, like where you're, he's just going through slides, you know, it's nothing. We're not watching tape and, you know, we're not, it's not a rah, rah speech. He was just talking to us. Um, but then to, to see the excitement from guys coming off a meeting like that was really cool. But you know, it's funny too though, Nick, because I think the outside, your locker room focuses heavily on X's and O's and like, what's the guy's system? What's the guy's scheme? When, you know, the closer you are to this, like you see that it's so much more that matters to making a good team other than, well, what kind of a game does he call? Do you know what I mean? So like that stuff, if you can get guys energized to come be there, that makes a difference. Guys got to buy in. It's not just the system. It's the the culture, what you're building. You have to have, you know, all, every person in the building, not just the players, but it's the entire staff. You want everybody on the same page um, about what we're trying to do and how we're going to hold each other accountable. Um, so I think, you know, from that perspective, I think guys are starting to understand, you know, and, you know, it's tough, like, it's hard to explain, but when guys, when guys see that this is what he expects from us, it makes them take the extra step, do the, do that extra rep, run that extra hundred, do it. You know what I mean? It's not, there's so much more to it than just X's and O's, but it's how do you motivate a player? How do you get the best out of everybody? Not just, you know, Oh, I got a great scheme. Well, your great scheme is great, but if you don't put the right guys in the right positions, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, So there's so much more that goes into football than, than just X's and O's. Now, I guess the big question everybody wants to know is, do you think we'll actually get to see all that come August? Ah, man, that's a good question. Um, (laughs) I don't know anybody has an answer. (laughs) uh, So, you know, I'm, I'm the, the team's NFLPA rep. And that's why you'd have a good perspective on this. Been on a lot of calls. um, And, you know, right now we're just trying to follow the science and, you know, try and, because when you, with something like this, where things are changing so rapidly, um, I feel like, you know, Every 10 days, there's a new test out that's got a better, uh, you know, less false ne- right. or less false negatives or whatever. And then it's got a quicker turnaround time for results and all that. So, like, for us to try and plan how we're going to test, how we're going to do all these things now for, you know, six weeks from now doesn't make the most sense. But on, on the other hand, you know, we have, to, we have to amend the CBA. We have to vote on these policies. We have to create right. new um, – you know, we have to write new – articles and paragraphs into our existing CBA. And those are all things that need to be negotiated. So we don't have a a lot of time. Um, These are things that we have to figure out. So we're in the process now of trying to make sure that we, we look at every single possible positive and, or, you know, and negative that could happen. What, how do we, how do we make sure that every single thing is covered in the CBA, anything that can happen or will happen, we we need to be able to predict and have an, and have a, a proper, protocol for um so there's there's a lot of work going into this and what is what would be some of your top concerns with this going into all those i mean right now it's what happens if a player gets it you know do they go do they go on an eight week ir i think that's where we only have three spots for ir returns right um i think that's a little bit unrealistic are we creating a new you know like a 15-day dl like the mlb does that player get paid is it a is it a non-football work injury? Like that, all of that matters. Um, huh. 
these are things that still haven't been worked out. Um, and I think a lot of that is, you know, a lot of that has to be negotiated with the owner's group and all that stuff. But the testing protocols, testing for families, um, I mean, I think, I mean, I don't know every player on the team, on our team that has, you know, uh, uh, who's, who's like got a high risk, you know, pre-existing, but like, I'm assuming that, you know, our medical staff should know every single at risk player or, you know, at a higher risk player, um, that sort of thing moving forward. Um, I I honestly don't know how practice is going to work, you know, if it's just going to be totally normal and we're going to try and social distance in the locker room and do virtual meetings and that sort of thing. But I mean, the, the game's going to change for sure. Um, how we conduct, how we're able to conduct, conduct business inside the facility is, is going to be, you know, flipped upside down. And that's where it's going to be hard because they want to do all the social distancing, but football is kind of anti-social distancing when you're on the field, you can't really do that. So like, you know, do you, are you, are guys comfortable going out there right now given what's going on do you think i mean today i don't think guys would be super comfortable i mean i'm in phoenix right now where we've got giant spikes right um you know in most cases in a, in a day that we've had yet if i were playing for the cardinals would i want to go to work today where guys are coming from all over that sort of thing right. I, I probably wouldn't be jazzed up about um but hopefully by the time we get to you know our report date for, for training camp hopefully some of this will have calmed down and we'll be, you know, in a better situation, but I don't know if we're ever going to get to a point this year where it's going to be a hundred percent safe. You can confidently say that no player is going to get it, but you know, those are risks that we're going to have to assess. I think each guy is going to have to figure out whether or not they're okay with that amount of risk. Right. And I think there's – I also wonder, like, if the numbers at that point in, in other states are going down, if guys then feel a little bit more comfortable because there, maybe there's – you know, they're just – it would look like it's going better. But I don't know. I mean, it's going to be difficult because, like, you guys work at a facility, too, that's very small by NFL standards, and it's going to be hard to really do what you need to do out there, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to have to have – I mean – groups we're gonna have different times about throughout the day to come in and get your lift in or, or whatever in in a much smaller groups we're not gonna have you know the entire offense or the entire defense in the weight room at one time I don't think I would assume we wouldn't um yeah it's there's a lot I mean just our training room alone like we have two single person cold tubs two or three two two make call it three we have three <laughs> single single person uh cold or hot tubs and then we have one like multi-person like the pools right how do 90 guys rehab you know get in the cold tub post post practice or post run or post lift right. or whatever when we only have three tubs um you know we're gonna have to figure out how to bring in you know outside they're gonna i mean <laughs> trailers full of tubs outside something's gonna have to happen we're gonna we're gonna have to figure something out for because you can't have a practice in the in the middle of august and not have any sort of, you know, cold tubs set up for guys. You know, we have a cryo chamber, but you have to get in it completely dry, so you can't be sweating. It can't be right after practice. You know, like there's, there's, I don't know. It's going to be weird. Well, and along those lines, for people like when we're when we would see you guys in Richmond in training camp, you might have four or five of those cold tubs 
and you're going to get a few guys in there at a time. Right. Just by way right. of just so people kind of understand like how popular they are. Oh yeah. Especially those small, like those small, like what are they? Those 50 gallon, they look like they're just tubs, right? Right. You know, you got three guys squeezing in those. Um, and it's, that's not going to be the best uh, way to social distance post-practice. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure yet. That's all still kind of going to be worked out. And I, and I think that's like a, a facility to facility type thing because every facility is so different. And do you, are you got, how much are you paying attention to the other sports to see what, the, you know, how they handle it. So that way maybe you get a blueprint for how you need to go or approach it. Or how we shouldn't approach it. Or how you shouldn't. Right. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, I'm trying to keep as close eye as possible. Um, it's definitely not a, awesome to see facilities shutting down or you know going back going or closing down or sending people away or anything like that all the stuff coming out about college football has been crazy I mean they've been doing voluntary workouts for two weeks and they've got you know every day you're seeing more colleges with 15 20 guys testing positive you're going okay um hopefully we can figure it out <laughs> right you know right so we are tracking everything closely I know I know D Smith's working with the other uh, the PAs and uh, all of their leadership to try and figure out the most uh, realistic and safest way for us to, to get back in a building together and not have a massive uh, infection rate. Um, you know, and I think for me, it's more, it's about more than just us as players getting it. You know, a lot of us have at risk family members or, right. or young kids who have issues or just the other people in the building not every one of our coaches is in tip top shape right. or, you know, or 28 years old. Right. Um, I mean, Miss BJ at the front desk, like she's right. She's not 22 anymore. Right. Like if, if, if she were to get sick, uh, it, it would, it would kill me, you know? Yeah. Um, that so place would shut down if she got sick. <laughs> right. There's yeah, nobody else to answer the phones. Uh, she does everything for us every day. It's crazy. So, but there's so many people in the building that, that, can and will be affected by this that you know it's 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 about more than just oh the players will be fine they're all pretty good health and all that stuff yeah okay I get it but you know our building has hundreds of people in it yeah and only 90 of those are players so we've we've got to look out for everybody and not just us I'm going to switch gears and end on a different topic that um I was told you're a very good barbecue guy Um, I was talking to somebody at Dizzy Pig Barbecue and they they say oh yeah love Dizzy Pig shout out Dizzy Pig yeah, and I, I and I, I got some seasoning from them. Got used the Ragin River. Um, oh yeah, and then that was was very I, some pork tenderloins. It was really good. So, what is your what's your go to? What, what do you like? Do you like? Are you more grilling? Are you a smoker guy? What do you What do you got? So over the past year, uh, Flora and I have been getting more into smoking. Uh, so we've got uh, in Virginia, we've got a Green Egg and a Traeger, and we've been trying to use both. Um, or do the same thing on both and see what we like better, that sort of thing. Um, so we've been trying to use, get better at using the green egg. Um, and almost everything we've made on it has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, out here in Phoenix, we've just got a little Weber charcoal grill that I love using. But uh, my go-to, like to a day like today, it's you know 100, 106 degrees out. We're going to hop in the pool here in a little bit. I, you know, easy go-to is boneless, skinless thighs that I marinate overnight and, uh, and some brats. But that's that's my go-to on a on a hot sunny day in Phoenix. 
that that's a good that's always good listen that's always a good go-to i don't care what kind of weather that is so i love brats i'm a midwest guy um but i'm the smoker too and it's funny because like i got into smoking i don't know five to, probably about 10 years ago and i was like it kind of changes your life a little bit because you become part of this society like like you unlock the secret to society like this is the way to go yeah uh floor and i went to the, to uh to Dizzy Pigs, they had a big um, like green egg festival uh, where people bring their eggs and they cook and you know you can walk by and try everybody's different oh, wow. foods that, that come out of the egg. It was awesome. But we learned so much because we'd sit and ask people, all right, you know, what's your, because they all have all these crazy uh, different like uh, tools for the egg, different, you know, and so we're learning, we, we left there with so much stuff, but um, you know, picking the brains of all these different chefs, um, we've we've really learned a lot but um for us it's really just been the biggest uh, hurdle for us because we're not the biggest preppers when it comes to right. cooking usually it's like hey it's it's hey it's gonna be about six what do you want for dinner not like oh hey tomorrow at 4 a.m i'm gonna get up and right. i'm gonna put this roast in the smoker right like so we've been trying to get a lot better at, at you know thinking about using the 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 egg and the trigger more and ahead of time that way you know we're not we're that way we're actually using it more right it, it is and and you're right because you have to plan and i'm i guess i'm at an age where it's like i have the time more time to plan and not you know i know like okay this is my respite on saturday whatever happens i'm going to use a smoker i'll get the ribs or whatever <laughs> so i know going into it but it becomes such a big process i used to have an electric one or a propane I had, it was a propane one my bad and then now I have an offset smoker. It's all charcoal, wood, and, it, and it's more of a process. And it takes, it's a little bit more labor intensive, but man, mm -hmm. it's just so much, it's so worth it. And, you know, it, it just, everything we put on, everything I throw on there ends up to be pretty good because you get to get that good flavor. And as long as you're patient with like some of the other stuff, but like the pulled pork, God. So, oh, yeah. I love yeah. just doing a full, a full chicken too. Yes. Have you done I, on there? It's one of my favorite things to do. I do, I do the smoked beer can chicken a lot. Mm -hmm. And you just, and it's like, it comes out so moist that it's just like the legs just snap off. Oh man. So yeah, it is, it is pretty good. So I, um, with the, with the brats, you just throw them on there. You do any, do you boil them in beer at all at all or do anything? Like no, that? Just no put them we, on just, there. we just throw them on. Um, and actually this year we, uh, we got something called the disco. Okay. It's a big, um, it's for frying. Um, but we've been using that quite a bit out here. It's that's for like, or I say we use it quite a bit. We use it like four times. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot. Um, before all this, this kind of, before we kind of went on full quarantine out here, I had a big family party and we did our, our typical Virginia taco night out here for the first time. And, uh, so filled that thing with big with chunks of pork and you know you, uh, it's it's propane but it's it's tough to describe it's like a big walk but out, yeah. you know it's outside um and it, it's been so much fun to cook with we've done uh we made our own battered and, and made our own wings um we made mini corn dogs in it um <laughs> stuff made our own That's fries and stuff like that all the healthy stuff yeah yeah definitely all the healthy stuff <laughs> But it, it is, it is, it's a fun thing to do. And like, it keeps me sane. <laughs> I will say that like, 
just being able to plan a smoke to do the smoker like it is, you know, it, 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 you can get a beer, you just sit there and you got the smoke and the fire going and it's, it's really good. So, and, although it's, um, for Father's Day, I was doing a Korean barbecue, so which you don't Ooh. have to do a lot, but that's more about the marinade. I had Tailgate Ted on last week talking about this, but um, that's more about the marinade. So I'm curious to see how that turns out. But um, I said Ted's probably a good resource. He's, resource he's a great resource. Yeah, because like, yeah, somebody asked me on Twitter, like, have you done this? I'm like, well, I, I've had it. My son loves it, but I haven't made it. And right. so it was fun to go. Like, I had to go shopping at the international food market, get some different cuts of meat or, uh, you know, different, you know, they're, sick, they're ribs, but they're cut differently. So mm -hmm. you know, pretty, pretty good. So I'm looking forward to that. And actually I did, I kind of lied. I, I did want to ask you one last thing about your, with your, the foundation, the loads of love, how has this time affected that? And, you know, is it, has it been, is it still going strong? We've had to postpone our, our spring um, uh, grant program. Um, but you know, hopefully we'll be able to move that to, to this fall. Um, but basically what we've done since everything shut down was we've been, uh, doing site checks, um, uh, seeing if anybody needs any maintenance, um, making sure that everybody's gotcha. site is, is up and running properly, that sort of thing, just to, to get everybody back into, you know, full, 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 uh, I guess, capacity running right. shape, that sort of thing. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, we're just kind of on pause until you know, schools get back in session and, and that sort of thing, but which kind of sucks, but you know, you just gotta, it is what it is. And you know, for people who don't know, the loads of love program was, you know, in putting washers and dryers into schools and also centers and, and shelters and places like that. So, it, you know, and it's, I'm sure that during a time like this, they become even less, more necessary in a, in a shelter and they're probably more grateful to have those at this time. So, Hopefully things get back up and running so you can get back to, we can get back to football, get back to providing those kind of services for other people too. So Nick. Hopefully. Yep. I appreciate you joining me, man. Hey, anytime, John. Thanks for having me on. Thanks a lot. After this break, I'll be back with Chef Mel. We're talking 4th of July and burgers. What's the key to make a good, making a good one? We both have our methods and I like his approach. You'll learn a little bit here. A couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich, but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile, bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to loneoakcoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020 you will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Chef Mel. And by the way, 
While, we were, while I was talking to him, he was in Atlanta with four Redskins tight end Vernon Davis who was there making a movie. I'll have a conversation with Davis in a future podcast. Also, don't forget, you can follow Mel at ChefMel12Tables. And that's ChefMel, the number one, two, tables. Enjoy. So how have you been holding up during this period? And I've been holding up, you know, okay, man, just, you know, hanging in, keep myself busy, doing a lot of charity work with uh, Landon Collins. He actually had his organization, right. Humble Path. And um, I've been working with him, um, delivering food to the hospitals and uh, first responders. You know, everybody's got, you have your business. How has that been? How have you been able to hold up with that? Well, I've just been, you know, staying creative, you know, just staying creative. Uh, just been blessed that people who actually uh, reached out to me and seeing they could, you know, give me some work. And it's just taking it easy to kind of like re- like reset and kind of like sitting back, trying to figure out um, what I can improve on and how I could get things better and, and kind of adapt to my environment and what's going on in the world today. So I'm actually just trying to figure out um, how to make a safer environment um, and healthier uh, during okay. this time. And it's mainly the main thing I'm all about is health and, and keeping everything um, really good for people. So one of the, the things I wanted to have you on today too is to talk about burgers. We got 4th of July coming up. What, what you, do you have a go-to burger recipe? What is it? Oh man, my go-to burger. Gotta have that Angus beef, man. You okay. have Angus beef, you ain't having no beef. You know, definitely gotta have that, so. That's my goal. That, and what do you do with it? Do you, what what kind of seasoning do you? Are you a big seasoner guy? Or like, what do you do with the? Man, let me tell you. With burgers, it's all about the seasoning. You got right. Season. So what I actually do is I get a, a a ground beef. I get the Angus, the ground uh, beef. Right. I get a, a whole chunk of that, and I actually um put it in a bowl and and mix it with uh, salt, pepper. I add egg, and um worcestershire try sauce, and I also use um a little bit of mustard. Dijon mustard inside of there. Really? And uh, yes, and then I dice up some red onions. And dice up some red onions. Just you want to really mince them, like really small. You don't want those right. chunks. Um, and then you you grate your burger, you form your burger. And I'm talking about John, once you do that, and I'll add a little bit of ketchup to it. I added just a little bit of ketchup. Okay. I add ketchup inside the burger, like before it's even mixed in. Add all that stuff in there. Once you add all everything in there. You actually um, now your burger is ready to to be created. So you form up whatever how many pounds you know you want right. in there. And I really I recommend like you know having like a small burger, not even too big because you don't want to. It's going to be hard to cook it that way. So you want to prepare it that way. So you want to have something uh, a small burger. I recommend, especially when you're using that expensive meat. I right. Mean, you know, Angus beef is really good, but it's a little costly. It's not too costly, but it's enough to like you know you want to cut down. Absolutely. Uh, because you want to enjoy it, you might want more and more burgers after that. So, right, make it straight. So yeah, so I use that. I use that uh, recipe, man. It's really good. A lot of flavors uh, go into that with the red onions. Then I also had this other um, recipe, like with these onions. That I do. I put them on a grill with some um, with a uh, beef bouillon. I put in there, and I'm talking about these onions are freaking delicious. So they like wow. caramelized onion grill. Oh my goodness, man! I got some right now. It's amazing. I'm uh, wow. about to do so. You can put it on your steaks, your burgers. It's, it's really delicious, man. What kind of buns are you using for your burgers? Like, do you have, are you a brioche guy? What kind brioche. of? You got to have that brioche, man. You got to have that brioche. Yes. It's the way to go. The way to go. I love it. man. Then I like to I like to toast it a little bit. You got to have yes. a little toast on there. With know, a, so, yeah. 
definitely, definitely go with that, man. We do. And, you know, it's funny because, like, I'm glad to hear you talk about the seasoning because I've seen some people say they're like, oh, I just put salt and pepper on there. Like, no. You know what? Like, what I'll put in there with mine, I do the Worcestershire, but I also put some brown sugar in there, too. Mix a little really? bit of that, a little bit of that in there. And then, like, I'll either sometimes stuff it with cheese, different cheeses, or I'll make, like, an herb garlic butter or something like that. And then you yeah. you 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 mix it together and then you roll it up, put it in the fridge for a couple hours. Then you put little chunks of that inside there and it adds some moistness and flavor inside. So like, but I'm big on flavor, the flavoring because you have to do that to me if you want to like really make a good burger for me, for me. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Now I got, now I'm about to do a whiskey. I'm going to do a whiskey burger, man. I'm going to really? put some whiskey inside. The yeah. I want to play with that too. So, yeah. How much whiskey are you going to like? Are you just putting it? I'm just going to marinate it. I'm going to marinate it or just, you know, just just get some. I was going to just put that in there to try it out, see what it tastes like. Wow. I want to hear back on that one because, like, the hard part for me is to use whiskey for anything other than drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I use it. Look, I, look, I got whiskey wings, man. I got whiskey peach wings I use, too. So, I mean, I want to do whiskey in a burger, man. Got to gotta try it out. And I'm going to season it well. That's one thing, but I'm definitely going to add some onion. Onion's really like just, it's, a, it's one of the major ingredients inside the burger that actually yes. has a flavor that really plays really well with that beef. So and, if anybody like, you know, want to know about seasoning is, is have an onion in there, uh, you know, have some type of piece of onion, onion salt, onion, onion something. I, I do onion powder. I'll do onion. I do onion powder mix in onion there. Powder is good. Yeah. Onion powder is good. Yeah. Like, so what you could do is this, John, this, this right hit you with. To, to, to really like you want your seasons to all come together, put all of them together. Mix your onion powder with your your salt, you know, your sea salt, whatever salt you want to use, your pepper, you know, your uh, whatever other season that you want to add on there to, to incorporate with the beef. Man, do it then. Mix it all in together. Then mix it inside your uh, your beef mix and then add the egg so your beef can hold right. uh, well. So, you know, and then you're you good to go. Then you got a nice juicy burger. That's another thing too. It comes out juicy. Yeah. You know, you yeah, so and you don't want to overcook it because then you ruin everything that you just did beautiful. So you don't want to, you yeah. not want to cook the burger. But yeah, I that's did all it. I just basically like it's simple. It's not nothing hard about making that burger. It's just a real good, quick uh, go-to recipe that I use. Um, you know, you can make sliders out of them. It's, I had amazing feedback off them, so that's one of my go-tos. Um, really didn't want to share because uh, you know it's uh, people love it. I'm like, I can't tell them like my secret. But well, you give away a little, you get a lot. Well, I want I want people to eat good, so there's no problem. You know, so a lot of people were doing burgers wrong for a long time. You know, I you got to season them. You can't just season them on the top. You got to season them through. So people, you know, go buy these burgers. Oh, I'm getting a burger. But you just season the outside layer of it. You're not seasoning Agreed. the inside. When you actually need to sit here and taste what you're eating. So There was I, there was a show. There was, we were watching MasterChef one time. And they had a competition there was about grilling and the woman's like they that's what some of them were doing they were just putting it on when it was on the grill and one the one woman who was in charge of mixing it up she's like why well, didn't put anything in there I'm like it just drove me nuts because my kids know because <laughs> my kids know how much i put into that and I'm, my burgers taste pretty good so like it drives me nuts and so that's why i'm thrilled to hear you say that but i knew you would because that's what you do that's why you're chef well and i've been listen i've been out here man I've been getting on this grill on the movie set. I've just been grilling, grilling, grilling. I'm just with, with Vernon. 
Yeah, it's all about, you know, keeping your temperature. That's another thing, too. Like, just control your temperature on the grill and your burgers. You know, like, if you just take them off, let them rest. That's another thing, too. That's the key thing, too. Once you take your burgers off your grill or stove top, whatever you're using it, let them rest. Let all your meats, whatever you do, rest. Right. I made and a... Oh, I, man, I can keep going on and on with my recipe. My, you know, all the food. <laughs> I love it. I love it. John. Well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a future episode. We'll get to more of those. So, um, but I just wanted to make sure we had you on so we can talk about some burgers for the fourth. So, Mel, I appreciate you coming on. No problem. Thank you, John. That's it for this week. Thank you very much to Nick Sunberg and Chef Mel for joining me. Don't forget to visit LonoCoffee.com. Use promo code Coffee Twenty Twenty for some excellent coffee. As things continue to be tense in this country, I hope I can provide a few moments of respite. And I greatly appreciate you listening. And I hope that I get to another 100 podcasts and that we can all enjoy that. Talk to you next time.